This episode is brought to you by GBN University, powered by Golf Business Network. GBNU is where PGA professionals come to improve their skills, build their careers, and increase their impact. Go to golfbusinessnetwork.com slash GBNUniversity for more info. This is the Getting Better Now podcast, and I'm your host, Dean Campbell. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with Seth Waugh, the CEO of the PGA of America. In part one, we focused on a critically important topic for golf professionals today, the supply and demand issues in the labor market. Every PGA professional should hear what Seth had to say on the topic. It was an honest and frank conversation, and personally, I think we should be encouraged by what we heard. Now we get into two more important topics. As you know, prior to the PGA, Seth was the CEO of Deutsche Bank Americas, and I took the opportunity to ask him about his leadership philosophy and what it takes to lead organizations of such immense size. Any leader can benefit from his thoughts on the topic, especially his golden rule, which you'll hear him explain. Leadership is such an important skill when it comes to retaining great people, and in this labor market, it's never been more critical. This is a great opportunity to take some leadership insights from an experienced and successful leader. Lastly, I ask him the question about Live Golf. One perspective we haven't heard much is how that tour can impact the PGA of America and specifically PGA professionals. Seth will be at the forefront of some of the most important decisions that golf's governing bodies will make regarding live. You'll get his thoughts here. You won't want to miss them. So here it is, the second part of my conversation with Seth Waugh. I hope you enjoy it. So I mentioned to you before we jumped on that one of my contentions is that another piece to this puzzle is building good leaders for facilities. Better leaders we are, the better culture we can create at our clubs, the better employee experience we can create at our clubs, the the higher our retention levels are going to be. You've obviously been a leader of organizations for a long time. Talk a little bit about who you try to be as a leader. What do you want people to say about working with or working for Seth? And what have you tried to be as a leader through your career? Well, I think uh, look, I think the overall goal of leadership is, or any, you know, anything probably is to leave the room better than you found it. Right. Um, and so that's kind of my, you know, my basic goal. And when I come into a room, I, I try to um, sort of listen for a long time to figure out, you know, sort of what needs to be, you know, what needs to be done rather than come in with a bunch of assumptions about, you know, how to do it or, or what needs to be done or, or, you know, this is the my way or the highway. I, I just, I'm not, I'm not that way. I, I am much more um, uh, of somebody that's going to kind of, you know, try to um, understand a room, uh, build a consensus. Um, I think, I think, uh, you know, sort of how you, um, how did, how to get the best things done or, or the done in the most lasting ways. If you get buy-in from everybody kind of along the way, if you force things, um, I think they, you know, they can be uh, a little bit more fleeting. 
Um, I think you have to have a common common goals. Um, very much uh, really important um, that that, uh, that you share values and you share um, kind of you know that you're going somewhere that that you have momentum. People want to be a part of something that is um, successful, but also has kind of a mission. Obviously, we have as an association have a very clearly stated mission. But every place I've ever been. You know, we've had um, kind of a goal to to you know make a difference, um, and uh, and I think that's you know people want to be part of of, of that, um, and and um, you know I just think I'm I'm such a believer in team. I, I just I, I think you know you you uh, um, you know there there is no you know there is no individual victories there's there's all it's all team victories and particularly in anything of this size you know obviously it takes tons of people to to be successful and and you want to kind of give um everybody the credit I, somebody once said to me you know that um when i was first took my first real big wall street management job he said you know there's two things you got to remember now one principle one is that you know uh, you, you now have to take all the crap and none of the credit, um, <laughs> which I think is is a good way to think about it. And then he said, you know, every time you're making a, a big decision, imagine that your mother is reading about it on the front page of the Wall Street Journal and, you know, what would she think? And so making that sort of true north decision um, on the big ones, being on the right side of history at all times, um, is really important because when you, you look back on things, things that you know generally don't feel right, probably aren't, and and therefore you know making sure you're you, you're thinking about that. Um, and then I I you know as far as the team thing goes, I think one of the important maybe perhaps my one you know basic golden rule is is you know no jerks allowed, right? I, I just don't think. Um, uh, you know, you, 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 there isn't room for that, right? And, and they sap energy and, and, you know, take away from the mission. And, um, and you know, we all know what that means. Um, and, and you just got to kind of, you know, stamp out that behavior or eliminate it um, because um, it, uh, you know, it's just so counterproductive to, to everything that, you know, you're trying to accomplish. And if, and if you can... Um, Kind of get uh, uh, you know just the, the occasionally if you know even if the best producers um, are are not good behaviors, um, eliminating them sometimes sends an incredible message to the staff, right? Like a public execution is sometimes you know pretty effective, right? Um, and uh, uh, particularly if it's a you know big producer in some form, and and, uh, and then people really believe you that you've got a set of values and that you, you're really going to do what you say you're going to do. I, I think, I think, you know, having people trust you and, and know that you're going to do what you said you're going to do um, is, is, you know, uh, hugely important. And the last thing I'd say is like one thing that you have as an individual and, and as an association is a brand, right. And you spend your whole life kind of building that brand Um uh, and it's the most valuable thing you have. Um, you know, if, if uh, you know, if somebody says your name, um, what, what do they associate that with? Or somebody calls and says, Hey, 
I've got to, I've got to meet Dean on something. What do you know about him? You want that mm-hmm. person to say, no, that's a good person who you can count on. Who's going to, whatever those values are, whatever those values are that you think are important. Um, I think you've got to always build those, um, you know, your entire life um, because uh, that's what gives you the credibility when you go into a, a, a new situation and, and allows you to get stuff done that, that, um, uh, otherwise might be hard. So I, I heard you say a, a lot of valuable, a lot of valuable things in there. One of my questions to you was going to be as a CEO, when you're the face of, of the organization or the association, obviously we have our, our, um, you know, our board and our, and our members that are, you know, serve on, on committees, but as the CEO of whether it's PGA or in your past, you're responsible for the results of, of the company, of the association. And it's you're only going to get those results if everybody's contributing individually. So if I'm hearing you right, is it is it having that that clear mission, having clear values, doing what you say you're going to do, and keeping that always reiterating those those types of things that gets everybody rowing in the same direction? Yeah, uh, yes. Um I think so. And, and, um, you know, we, one of the things that we did when I first got here was we created through a, a committee of internal folks, um, who worked on it for six months, you know, a group of shared values that we then sort of talk about and live. And, um, and I, and I think that's, um, you know, hundred percent, you know, how it works. I think, I think, you know, it's a little bit off subject, but maybe a, a good example of it. I, I, I so um, I once talked to you know Michael Eisner, who ran Disney for really you know forever, and and uh, was you know one of the great you know CEOs of the time. But but also Disney obviously is one of the great brands of all time. And I sort of asked him how he thought about culture and brand. And I think culture is really your question is. Yeah the most important thing that a CEO can do, right? Um, it's the thing that's lasting. It's the thing that, that, um, you know, you, you can, you can um, trust is going to be out there. Right. So when I ran a bank, you know, there was, uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, in the U S we had 20,000 people. Right. And so, um, you know, you're not going to control everything that they do, but um, if you can create a culture around that, they're going to, um, you know, they're going to deliver what you're trying to deliver in, in, uh, in, in terms of your, you know, the face and your values, not perfectly, but, but, but generally, you know, the right way. And so Michael once said to me, he goes, well, I, I said, how do you think about it? And he goes, well, I think about culture and brand is obviously, you know, it's very related, but um, I think about the brand as a giant television screen that has all these pixels on it. And, you know, if you're hitting all cylinders, like it's a beautiful picture. If you miss a couple pixels, it's still a great picture, but it's a little bit off and you got to kind of go correct those. But if you lose the plot and then, you know, people aren't on that same page and aren't on the same pixels, you suddenly have, you know, no picture. Right. And so making sure that you're, um, you know, you're never going to be perfect in a, in a large organization, but, but you, you know, you, you have to be vigilant and you have to be on it and you have to correct those pixels that, that, that may be, you know, off, um, if, if that makes sense. I, and I, I was once interviewing a, um, 
uh, a, a senior person at, at Deutsche Bank and uh, to come in. And um, I was kind of the last round of interviews, sort of how it worked. They'd sort of get it and then see me. And, um, and I, you know, had a good, you know, sort of 20 minutes with him. And, and then I said, well, what, um, you know, do you have any questions? And he goes, no, you know, I really don't have any questions except that you guys are either, you know, really well rehearsed or you actually believe it because everybody's saying the same thing. And I remember thinking like, that's a great moment, right? That, yeah. that our people are now, you know, sort of aligned on, on something and it, and it's, you know, it's repeating it and, and, and living it and, and, and doing the right thing every, you know, every day. Um, I think, you know, there's, there's moments that are really important and, and crises are sort of one of them, you know, that how you, um, I like to, I think that COVID for us has been actually, you know, a, a, a very good cultural moment um, because, um, because of how we behaved, how, how the game performed, how um, we delivered for everybody. We had the philosophy of kind of getting everybody to the other side. Mm -hmm. uh, we had, um, you know, this principle that you, you got to be smart, but more importantly, you got to be human. Um, and um, in, a, in a situation, particularly like a COVID, where everybody is, you know, nervous about everything and, and rightfully so. And how do you, you know, protect the individual as well as the, or the organization? And, and I had the same experience obviously very different, but, you know, we lost a building in 9-11 at Deutsche Bank. And so mm -hmm. dealing with all of that was, you know, not, was different, but not dissimilar in terms of principle. Right. And, um, and so, you know, I, I sort of view every moment as, um, as an opportunity. And I, and I think, you know, uh, uh, crises, which are inevitable um, are also def not only defining moments, but huge opportunities to level set and go forward um, because of how you can perform relative to, you know, everything around you. I don't know if that all makes sense, but um, uh, I just think, like, I think culture is kind of everything and uh, that's what's creates your brand and, and our brand at the end of the day, at PGA of America, we have an incredibly powerful brand. Um, it, it's it's our core. It's why everybody wants it on their chest. It's it's you know why people you know every member goes through four years of, of getting there, um, and we want to make sure that that continues to be you know enhancing that value. And and I think the good news right now is that our brand has never been more powerful. Um, the game's never been in better shape. Um, our voice uh, has never been kind of more heard um, than, than it has. Um, and it, it should be because look, we're the, we should be the most informed uh, voice in the game because we touch the game at every level, see it, you know, da daily. And we just have to kind of harness that and, uh, and turn it into good for, for the game. And obviously for our members, most importantly. Well, I just want to reiterate that I, I think COVID, for a lot of people, this was the first crisis. A lot, a lot of people in our industry, this might have been the first crisis that, that you went through when you're in the workforce. You've obviously seen, seen other significant ones uh, from 9-11 to the, to the economic collapse in 08. But how leaders responded during that time, really, the, the cream rose to the top. I think the PJ of America... You and all the leaders there did a phenomenal job supporting us during that time and supporting the game because we ended up on the front lines with doing a lot. 
And whether it was financially or with the information that we were provided, that was all really valuable. So you could tell that you were experienced in in that before, and it really it really showed, and, and it really supported us. So thank you for what the association did during that time. That was a lot of people. It wasn't me, yeah. but I, I appreciate the thought. Thank you very much. So one last question, and I. I don't think I have to ask you where you where you fought. You just talked about being on the right side of history. So when it comes to to live golf and 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 your your feelings about that or the association's feelings, I don't think there's probably much gray area there. But I talked to somebody recently who thinks that this could this could really hurt the game of golf in the end. And anything that hurts the game and and your average player because maybe the PGA Tour product isn't what it used to be. And, and that doesn't, now there's not as much interest and that ultimately hurts us as PGA professionals. Do you, do you worry about an impact of that down to our level? hundred percent. Um, and look, I, I, uh, as you said before, like as a leader, you know, my job is to be a fiduciary for, for the PGA of America. That's, that's my job. Right. And, and every, I'm going to look at everything we do through that lens. It's not my own personal view. It's, it's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, you know, your personal view is going to, you know, kind of color your experiences are going to color a lot of that, but like, you know, my, my job is to, to be that fiduciary. And so that is how I think about live. I, I think, um, I don't see how it can be good for the game in, in any way other than for the, you know, the tour professionals, right. And, and the 48 that go, and, uh, obviously you're going to, you know, get paid, you know, a, a lot of money and hopefully that's good for their lives. And, and then frankly, the ones that stay are going to get paid more too, because, you know, the, um, because of, um, you know, the natural competition that, that exists and the tour has already put uh, 150 million more dollars into the purses, um, which mm-hmm. by the way, Kind of hurts us, number one, because you know every time we, every time Jay raises a purse on the, on the PGA Tour, he's paying his members more. Every time um, we raise the PGA Championship uh, purse, we're we're giving our our members money to you know somebody else, right? And so that isn't great for us. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, you know, so this is a very selfish kind of a thing. Um, and um, it, it, you know, if you think about what the ecosystem of the, of the game now exists, right? Well, you know, the tour creates $3 billion worth of charity every year. Um, they have uh, developmental tours that, you know, that are, uh, are supplemented, whether that be Latin America or, or, um, uh, or, you know, China or Canada or wherever. You've got the senior tour, you've got, um, you know, all the, the, our sections running, you know, Monday qualifiers that, you know, create, mm-hmm. you know, uh, opportunity, you know, opportunity and, and value around that. And you've got, you know, a benevolent partner that works with us towards growing the game, making it better, leaving the room better every day. And you're going to replace that with, um, with something that, you know, frankly, by all appearances has no soul, right? It's, it's just to, you know, pay a bunch of money to, to kind of buy, and you know, we've done all this work to create a, um, uh, a you know, a, a, you know, where we are in the game, which has never been better placed, right? Like, you know, the, from a participation point, point of view uh, on the, you know, the PGA Tour, it's never been, and I don't think, you know, obviously Tiger's moments, but, but across the board has never, you know, sort of been better. 
And now we've got a foreign sovereign wealth fund that wants to buy that from from us, right? Um, which I think is, you know, um, I, you know, I, I don't, I just don't see, you know, how that benefits anybody. How does that help right. um, ultimately help the game? Because I don't think there's going to be any investment in the in 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 the game. They talk about how this grows the game, but how is that, right? I, I don't. I also just don't see. I don't see it as a um, uh, as a as a superior product. Like I just like you that's know, for sure. Yeah. No cut. I mean, and so like I, I'm. I've lived in a world of disruption. I believe in disruption. I think disruption is healthy. Uh, I think um, it is um, you know inevitable. In some ways, this is a a you know, a a real compliment to the game that it's getting disrupted because it's in such good shape. Um, But, but that means you have to add some value. You have to make it better. You have to leave it better. Um, And I just don't see any aspect of this that does that. And, and, and by the way, you're now bringing in, you know, we're all member organizations that are owned by the members that are not-for-profits. Now you're bringing a, a, an entity in that owns it that wants a return is going to want an exit at some point. Um, how does that, how does that play out? Right. Where does that, you know, wh- whose pocket does that come out of? Because at some point it has to right now, there is no equity in the PGA tour, right? Like nobody's, you know, getting rich off of the, the underlying value of the tour mm-hmm. uh, other than the players getting paid, you know, paid for it. So I just don't, I don't see, um, you know, it's a hostile takeover of the game, um, and I don't see the value add that that they could add. Um, and if I did, I, I might think about it differently. But um, I don't. I don't think there's any chance that they could leave the room better. And I think at some point, if they were to exit, having created all this disruption, you know, they leave kind of a carcass of the game that um, you know that that now all that investment that you know, has been put in for all these years by all these associations um, has disappeared. Well, certainly a tough conversation and probably nothing that we thought we'd be having, you know, a year ago when it came down to the game of golf. But I want to thank you for your time and and taking the time to answer these questions and address these tough issues that we have going on uh, for PGA professionals and in the game today. I think everybody should feel better knowing that we hearing from you that we are supported by our association and that, you know, we are moving in the right direction and, and, and change is happening. So thank you for, for taking the time and, and thanks for everything you do for us. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Dean. It was a great conversation and uh, I, I love the hard questions. So uh, <laughs> those are a lot more fun, but uh, look, I, again, I, I, so, you know, honored to be in this play in this position and have the opportunity to serve. Um, and I'll never have a, bigger opportunity to impact more lives. And for me, that's um, the most fulfilling thing I could have in my life. And, um, and that's why I'm doing it. And, uh, and I'm, uh, again, very flattered to do it. Um, I think we, you know, uh, we've got a lot, we've done a lot. Uh, I feel like we're in a really good spot. You're nice to say that. I feel like we've, we've, um, we've handled a lot of crises and, and, uh, and, and come out stronger. Um, but we have a lot of work to do going forward right. too. And, you know, frankly, that's the good news. I, I, I kind of like that part. So. Well, thanks again for your time, Seth. I really All appreciate right. it. Thank you. Take All care. Right. 
Thank you for listening to the Getting Better Now podcast. For more information, go to golfbusinessnetwork.com.